you. Uh, today I want to read a passage of scripture. I went with a different uh, lectionary passage than what we would normally uh, read on this Sunday. And so I would invite you to follow along with me this morning as I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to begin with verse 18 and read through verse 25. Hear the word of the Lord. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we uh, come today and we give our thanks for this week for the passion of Jesus for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And God, this morning, as we focus our attention on the cross and what it means for us this week, God, I pray that you would touch our hearts and transform our lives. God, that it would be impossible for anyone to come into this sanctuary and leave God the same way in which they came in. But God, that we all might be saved. For it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray together. Amen. You know, the cross is um, the most important symbol in Christianity. We uh, build churches that look like crosses. We build cathedrals and sanctuaries like this one. And we put crosses on our steeples. We uh, carve crosses in our pews and on our uh, pulpits. We, we place them on the communion table. We hang them in the church. We put them on banners. Everywhere you look, you can see crosses because the cross is the most important symbol for, thus, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, people wear crosses around their necks and crosses on their ears. People uh, tattoo crosses on their bodies. I have a really big cross tattoo right here. I really don't, but I just wanted to see some of your faces uh, this morning. Uh, uh, my dad always told me if I got a tattoo, he would carve it off with a spoon. So I, I never got uh, one of those. I, I just, I really wanted to see Miss Joan Hales and Miss Barbara Barnett's face when I said that. Uh, Y'all would have enjoyed seeing the way they looked at me when I said that. Um, but crosses are the most important part, the most important symbol of our faith. 
But, you know, every religion and ideology has a, a symbol that um, they are attached to or they think or, or they believe um, says who they are. For example, uh, Buddhism uses the lotus flower. Because of its wheel shape, it is uh, thought to depict the cycle of birth and of death. It's that there's some sort of clarity that it represents out of uh, the chaos in the world. Judaism has adopted the, the Star of David. It's a, a hexagram formed by uh, combining two equilateral triangles uh, together. It, it speaks of uh, God's covenant with David and that uh, the Messiah would come through his lineage. And then there's the uh, Islam has the symbol of the crescent. It originally depicted a phase of the moon, but it stands uh, for them today to mean sovereignty and Muslim victory. Even ideologies, secular ideologies have their symbols. For example, you know of the Marcus, uh, Marxist hammer and sickle. It was adopted in 1917 by the Soviet government. It represented industry and agriculture. They were crossed to, to signify the union of worker and, and peasant in factory and field. And then there's uh, Nazi Germany has its symbol of the swastika. We all know what that symbol is, correct? It's been traced back some 6,000 years, and the arms of its cross are bent clockwise to, to symbol the, the movement of the sun across the sky or maybe the seasons of the year. But we know it most as the symbol of the, su the supposed great race of people. And then there's the cross, the, the cross of Christianity, but for us, it's just not any symbol. Is it? It's not just any cross. It is the, the cross of Jesus Christ. Today, we gather, and as we start this move towards Easter Sunday by way of Palm Sunday and Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, uh, this, the cross is what we celebrate because in the cross, we have eternal life and abundant life for us today. In the cross, we find uh, the salvation for people. The cross changes people's lives see I, I know that from personal experience the cross changed my life as my, through my ministry over 16 years I have seen the cross of Jesus Christ change the lives of numerous people that we celebrate today because it's not just any cross but it's the cross of Jesus the apostle Paul was one of the greatest influences of the Christian faith. He was one of the greatest preachers, one of the greatest missionaries, and, and Paul had a, a lot that he could be, uh, that he could boast about, that he could talk about uh, in, him, in himself. But Paul said, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he, he could have boasted in his social status and, and who he was, his religious status, over the work done for Christ, for the miracles that Christ performed through him. But Paul wouldn't boast in any of those things, but only in the cross of Jesus. It is the most important symbol of our faith today. When we look at the background of this particular scripture that I read this morning, uh, we uh, see a very important picture of the cross and what it means. And as Paul was preaching, he wanted to 
highlight the fact that it was a stumbling block for the Jews. And to the Greeks who were seeking wisdom, they thought it was foolishness. In the grand scheme of things, those who looked upon the cross and some of those who heard that message thought it was just the most ridiculous concept ever imagined. But for those of us who are being saved, but for those of us who have placed a a simple faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, it has the ability to change lives. Do you believe that this morning? When you look at the cross, when you ponder the cross, when you think about the cross, do you believe, in fact, that it has the power to change lives? Do you know in our modern world uh, today, right now, that there are many who believe just like the Jews of old and just like the Greeks, we believe oftentimes that it is the wisdom of man and how smart we are, and all of our human ingenuity that in fact is what has built the world and what offers success and what offers us life. But you know, I'm beginning to figure out that all of that's really just foolishness, isn't it? It's the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, For those of us who are being transformed, for those of us who are being touched by its message, it is the power of God. This morning, as we we focus on this idea of the cross, I want you to see a few things about the cross. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes, it is the cross condemns sin. Now, now what is sin? That very simple message is it is sin is rebellion against God. And the way we rebel against God can be classified in two ways. And its first one is this. It is the assertion of self-will. Any, uh, the assertion of self-will. Let me explain it this way. Some of you probably have a child or have had a child or you've got a grandchild who are very self-willed. Anybody have any self-willed people in your family amen I have several of those myself one of those is that six-year-old boy of mine that runs around here a lot of times this past week it was a great week the sun was out everybody wanted to go out and ride their bicycles and so I'm sitting on the front porch watching them here comes Robert no socks and shoes on jumps on his bike starts down the driveway I said son let me just tell you It's not going to be just a minute, and you're going to scratch those little toes of yours, and you're going to come running back to the house uh, crying. And he said, no, Daddy, I won't. And he just asserted his self-will. Guess what happened? Just a couple of minutes later, he barely made the turn to go down the sidewalk, foot slides off the pedal, hits the ground, and he's got four bloody little toes running back to the house and crying. Now, his mother was mad at me because I didn't force him to put on socks and shoes but I I guarantee you one thing he probably won't ever do that again will he he won't do it Uh, but that's a really a picture of who we are we so often knowing the bounds of uh, morality and and the ways in which God has called us to live in our lives we oftentimes choose do we not to assert our own will and the life and guess what happens we come running back to our heavenly father asking for repentance and forgiveness the second way in which that um, sin or rebellion works through our lives is this it's the assumption 
of divine rights, the assumption of divine rights. This is what John Wesley says, one of my favorite quotes. You say, Jody, I know you've said this before, but it's one of my favorite because it's so true for us. John Wesley said that sin in man starts out when we try to be that which we can't be, and that is God. Don't we love to think that we are the masters of our own destiny? Have you ever heard anybody say some really smart uh, person wrote those words down and many people have bought into the ideology that somehow, some way, we can choose our own direction, that we can make our own path, that we can make a world and create a world just like we want it to be, no matter what is, is mora- morality says, no matter what is right or wrong, and we believe there is no consequence whatsoever when we step outside of those bounds. All I would ask you to do today is when you get home is just pick up uh, your iPad or iPhone or get on your computer and just read the news. Uh, Enough said. Amen. Uh, We uh, are not the masters of our own destiny. We can't create our own uh, world. But God has in fact created the bounds for which we are to live in. And when we assume divine rights... We step into sin. Sin. Simple little word, isn't it? Just three little letters. That's great big ramification. You know, in our world today, we don't like that world so we don't like that word so much that most of our or many of our modern dictionaries have just taken it out of the dictionary altogether. Now I've done this before, but let's let's take Jesus out of the equation for a minute. Okay, let's Jesus just sit down on the front pew, and we're going to talk about this as if Jesus is not in the picture at all. Because see, here here's what I, I found: if we can don't have to call it sin, we can call it whatever you want to call it. But I can tell you today, if Jesus is not in the picture, adultery still hurts. I can tell you with Jesus not in the picture, addiction still causes consequences in people's lives and families. I I can tell you with great certainty that it doesn't matter whether or not Jesus is in the picture or not. Sin is still sin, and it still has an effect on our lives, and it still hurts, and it is painful. And there's not a single person in this room today who hasn't been affected by it. Thank God Jesus is in the equation, though. Amen. I'm going to get to that at the end uh, of, the, of this, my sermon today. See, I, I want you to see today that the cross condemns sin. But it doesn't just stop there. You know what the cross does? It reveals love. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great thing to know today? That not only does the cross shine the light on sin today, but it also prescribes the reason or the way out of sin, and that is through this great love that God has given us. You know, when God uh, made man, he, he made man in his own image. And he took all of his own moral excellences and he fashioned them into a crown and he placed them on the head of man and he placed them in this 
perfect garden, the Garden of Eden. And, and Satan couldn't stand that. And he, he came along with those poisonous arrows and he, he shot them right into to man's heart. And, and man began this journey uh, down this road towards uh, destruction. And then God looked down at, at man's plight and he saw uh, where he was. And though he, then he sent his prophets and he sent his preachers and he sent his lawmakers to tell people just how much God loved them. But you know what man did? We just kept walking down that road to destruction. And then one day God had this wonderful idea. It was really an idea from the very beginning. And he reached down into that garden paradise and he pulled up the the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley and he placed them into one of the most incredible bouquets of flowers that that we could ever even imagine and he planted them in a little town called Bethlehem and then we hear those words for God so loved the world and today I want you to know that Jesus Christ reveals the love of our heavenly father for us it is a sacrificial love that gives of its very best and it offers us a way that we might have life today and eternal life to come and no matter where we are no matter what we've been through no matter the problems of our lives or the sins that we have committed that love reaches down to you and me today And we have a hope, and we have a future. That's really good news for Jody Ray. Were it not for the love of a heavenly Father, there would be no way I could stand here. If it were not for the love of a heavenly Father, there would not be a lot of things in my life. I'm so glad today, like we talked about last week, that our past does not determine who we are because of the cross of Jesus Christ and His great love. For us, somebody all say amen to that. Amen. The cross condemns sin. The cross reveals love. And the third thing is, is that the cross redeems us. But right outside that, if you put that word us, put in parentheses, me. The cross redeems me. The cross redeems you. Isn't that a wonderful story? That is the greatest theological term in in my mind that there ever was. I love that word redeemed. Here's what it means. You and I were created to be uh, redeemed. You can't be your own redeemer. Do you understand that? You cannot save yourself. All the work that you try to do to make things right will not work. See, redemption means to deliver from sin and to set free in redemption sinful man is redeemed and satan is defeated isn't that great in redemption when we accept christ as lord of our lives when we come to him in repentance he redeems us he changes us he transforms our lives he makes all things new i mean isn't that a wonderful message for us today We can't redeem ourselves. Only God can do that. Many, many years ago, it's more years ago than I even want to talk about right now. I was in the third grade. My brother was uh, just a kindergartner at the time, and my dad did what any great dad would do. He bought us two Daisy BB guns and gave us a big jar of BBs. I don't think we would, I would never give Robert a BB gun today. It wouldn't happen. Uh, He's a kindergarten, never do that. But my dad did that 
we were living up in Cumming, Georgia. My dad was in seminary at Emory, and our, our parsonage um, was down, kind of down a hill. And we had this great big long driveway that went down a hill and right into our garage. And y'all remember, they used to, the Chevron stations and the Gulf stations, they used to make those big metal cars. Y'all remember those? Well, we had a friend in on the Chevron station, and he gave me and Pat one of those. And we had this wonderful idea that we were going to take that car we were going to roll it down that hill, and we were going to see how many times we could shoot it with our BB gun before it stopped. And we did that over and over and over again. The more we did it, the funner it was, and we shot 100 BBs at least. At the, we tore that car all to pieces. But you know what else we tore up in that process? My mom and dad's brand-new silver with red interior Ford Fairmont that was sitting in the garage at the end. When we got finished shooting that car, I can just see it. We walked, we were walking into the garage, into the kitchen, through the garage by that car. And all of a sudden, I looked, and every taillight in it was busted out. There were little dings all over the back of that car. And that windshield was shattered. And we had this brilliant idea in our mind that we were going to get away with this and we were going to tell everybody, we don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, even a kindergarten, a third grader know that wasn't possible. So then the guilt and the shame had gotten the most of us and we decided that we were going to go through the house and find every bit of money that we could find, including our piggy banks, and we did. We went and got those banks. I think mine was actually a fire hydrant and Pat's was a pig or something like that. Well, we went and got those and then we went, there's always some money in the laundry room. And so we went to the laundry room and we started going through that. We even snuck into my dad's room to see if he had any chains laid out on the dresser and we got all that and we brought it back together a whole eleven dollars and fifty two cents and we went downstairs to into my dad's study his study was in the basement of the parsonage and we went downstairs to my dad and we confessed our sin and we offered him eleven dollars and fifty two cents to fix and repair that vehicle my dad didn't say a word when he got up out of his chair and he started up those steps into the den and through the kitchen and out the door into the garage. And as he turned to look at the back end of his brand new silver Ford Fairmont with red interior, he just shook his head, didn't say a word to us, and walked inside. My brother and I kind of eased to the door. I'll never forget. Listening to see what was fixing to happen to us. And all I remember my dad saying was, that's what I get for buying those boys BB guns. We never got in trouble, but we had to be supervised when we shot our BB guns. Here's the moral of the story. Is that we believed in our minds that we could redeem ourselves with $11.52. But the truth is, we couldn't. Wasn't enough money to replace and to repair the damage that had been done. You see, in our lives, oftentimes we believe that we can write our past on our own, that we can work a little less, that we can 
spend more time, that we can say nicer things, that we can control our temper, that there's something, in fact, that we can do in order to make a wrong right. Do you know there's many things in our lives, your life and my life, many things in our past that we can't redeem ourselves. We can't fix it. I got some good news for you, though, today. You weren't meant to be your own redeemer. You weren't meant to save yourself. You you weren't meant to make the wrong right. There's no way possible in our lives that we can go back and to change that which has been done. But praise be to God, the one who shines light on our sin, the one who uh, reveals his love in the cross, and the one who redeems you and me offers a way for that to happen. You can lay down the, the cares of yesterday. You can lay down the problems of, uh, that you've had, the, the difficult past. You can lay all those things down because that weight is impossible to be carried by you. Only Jesus can do that. I want you to hear me today, church. We serve a God who's in the sacrificial love-giving redemption business. He is the Redeemer. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When we sing these songs of worship, just like we've done this morning, it is the story of the redemptive work of God. Praise be to God in my life and in your life today. As you journey through this week, through this holy week, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, as we turn ourselves towards Monday, Thursday, and its implications, Good Friday, and what it means to us. And as we arrive back here on Easter Sunday morning, let it be a reminder for you. Let it be a reminder that you're not in the redeeming business. Not as far as you're concerned anyway. But we serve a mighty, wonderful, glorious God who is. And when we come to him with a repentant heart and we confess our sins, it doesn't oftentimes change our past, but it gives us a future. Let us pray. Almighty God, we're thankful today that you love us. We're thankful today, God, that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus, into the world to to walk out a, a passion and a death and a burial. But thanks be to God that there is an empty tomb and the stone has been rolled away. And God, that you are a fact, uh, in fact alive and well and loving and redeeming us even today. Thanks be to God. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.